The Locked On Big 12 crew cannot get enough of each other, so we're back for a second episode. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. To my right, that is John Williams, the host of Locked On Sooners. To his right, it is Stephen Simcox, the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. Below him, it is Linda Godfrey, the host of Locked On Pokes. To her left and below myself and John, it is Jake Hatch, the host of Locked On Cougars, our BYU podcast. On this show, we'll touch on NIL way later on, but this was brought up by the show I work on, Big 12 Today, and also I think the 1012 podcast said something about that as well. What is the best rivalry in the Big 12? And so we're going to explain our parameters for this and the way we want to talk about it coming up after this. Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so this is an interesting conversation of what is the best rivalry in the Big 12. Now, our conference is a modern one. Uh, I would say, like, you know the term modern family. I would say the Big 12 is currently the most modern family of any conference, considering the fact that they've got two people living in the house that they know are going to be leaving the house. They've got four people coming into the house. They're not sure if the two people leaving the house are going to intersect with the four people coming into the house. Um, hence, it is a modern, eclectic family. So I, with that in mind, best rivalries in the Big 12, like when that hit my head, I actually didn't think just team to team. Like I'm thinking about like fan base versus fan base, fan base versus coach. If you guys know what I'm going with that one. Yeah. Um, uh, narrative versus media, um, you know, group of conference versus group of conference. Like John, when we talk about best rivalries. I know people are like, all right, red river rivalry. That's where we go. But like my mind right now, that's like third or fourth in terms of like, what is, red hot right now in the big 12. Yeah. I mean, the thing that popped into my mind is you kind of opened up the parameters a little bit was the Texas tech fan base versus the Texas ticket office. Um, <laughs> the fact that they've had to, that they decided, no, nah, we don't want money um, because Texas tech was going to buy them out. Uh, it was just kind of wild to me. You don't, you don't see universities decide to do that, but I, I mean, it shows you just how strong that, that Texas tech basketball is. And it's, it's incredible, man. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, give my guy Patrick Khan a little bit of crap for what Lubbock is like, but you cannot deny like that that is a rabid fan base when it comes to their athletics. And, and that's really, that's great for the big 12. And while it might annoy, you know, the, the people down there in Austin, like it's really good for the conference to have a fan base. that's that passionate that they're ready to, to sell out the arena as soon as tickets become available and the, the ticket office has to shut it down because all the people that are buying tickets are, are Texas tech fans. Like that's great. Like that's great. Um, just underlying storylines for just the way the conference operates, because I think it's going to help to just infuse some more passion into the big 12 um, and carry that through when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Steven. Is the best rivalry in all of Big 12 athletics right now, I'm not being sarcastic here, is it Texas versus Texas Tech basketball? Because I have watched, you know, the Oklahoma-Texas thing is, is always amazing. But I, I think considering 
the fact that they're kind of on the same side right now in terms of what's on very few things, but like they are both leading together. So there is a little bit of uh, kinship when it comes to that. The, the bad blood between Texas tech and Texas right now, it is so, it is so crazy because Chris Beard leaves Texas tech for Texas. And there is so many layers to is the grass greener on the other side no matter how many times you beat Chris Beard, can you prove to him that you were the better situation all along? Is Texas Tech better off with the new coach they have right now? Um, you know, will Texas Tech fans infiltrate the building again next year? Will Chris Beard get a third shot to beat Texas Tech this season? Will it start to become a thing where Chris Beard can't beat Texas Tech? Like, right now, to me, that's the best rivalry because of what we've been seeing and the environments have just been red hot. It's like a, it's like a hot wrestling crowd right now is like these, these environments. Steven, is that the best rivalry in Big 12, uh, the Big 12 right now? Yeah, I mean, you laid it out pretty nicely there. Here's, here would be my retort to that. I feel like in some ways it's pretty one-sided. It feels just kind of <laughs> like right now it's Texas Tech wailing on Texas while everybody else watches with their phones out ready to put it on YouTube afterwards. I mean, I know we had a rumor that, like, Chris Beard and Mark Adams kind of got into it before that game in Lubbock. And I I also know that Texas sort of punched back by trying to shut down ticket sales in Austin. But honestly, I mean, like, Chris Beard kind of feels like the dude that cheated on his wife and knows he messed up and just kind of has to sit in it, right? Like Like, he knows he messed up. He made his choice. Or maybe he doesn't even know he messed up. He knows he made a choice. He knows that he hurt someone. And now they have to go to the same PTA meeting. And it's just him sort of sitting there while everyone is like, this jerk over here. Like, there's there's nobody that's really on Chris Beard's side behind besides Texas fans. And I think even they are sort of like, well, yeah, Texas Tech hates well, Can I counter that? Whatever. I feel like he's handled all of this really well. Yeah, no, I think he has too. But I, I just mean like, I don't think he's gone full villain mode, right? Like he he's sort of played it like this doesn't really bother me that much. I understand what's going on. Like I would like him to lean into it more honestly. You know, he's, he's not that of, kind of guy though. It's the point. I know, but, but which which makes the fact that this rivalry is so it's all driven by the anger that Texas Tech fans, and that mm-hmm. that's why it's a rivalry because it's like you're so mad about this. And it might be clear at this point that you got the better end of this, but like no matter how many times they play each other, they are always going to want to beat the brakes off of Texas because of how slighted they felt. And I think it's because of what Chris Beard, like at this point, Mark Adams is a great team, but Chris Beard did go to a national championship with Texas Tech. That has not been done, obviously, you know, since that. But like he was a Kyle guy, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle guy. Kyle Guy free throws or whatever the hell. What, what was it? Kyle Guy three, DeAndre Hunter three. I've got, I'm getting my yeah. games mixed up. Yeah, but DeAndre Hunter three. DeAndre Hunter three away from winning the Nash championship. And so, like, it's kind of a trump card that he's got until they win a, a national title, I feel like. And that's what makes this thing so interesting. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I just – my holdup with it is I don't – I feel like the emotion is so intense for Tech. And Texas obviously wants to win, but they haven't shown them up yet. And it almost feels like every rival. So, you know, the thing about Texas and their unique relationship with the state is every team in the state wants to beat Texas. Like that's what they want to do. 
They enjoy it. They love it. That's why the whole, like the past decade, especially in football, has been so much fun for TCU <laughs> and Baylor and Texas Tech because they're they've they're getting the best of the horns. But the problem is, Texas never recognizes any of them. Like the only two teams that they'll recognize was Texas A&M when they were in the Big 12, and then Oklahoma for the Red River rivalry. And that's the only people, no matter how mediocre they are, that they will acknowledge as, like, true rivals of what they've done historically and what, you know, they do as a brand and as the the starship of doom that they are um, there in Austin. So I think in some ways that same dynamic is playing out where it's like, yeah, Tech's beating the brakes off of them. They're, you know, running around saying, well, hey, Mark Adams is actually, like, probably better. He was a defensive genius, and he was the guy that was running this whole show. But UT's like, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> you can have your fun. We still got your coach. At the end of the day, right. this we're worse. We're a worse program, and we took your coach that took your school to a national title, which is something that nobody thought could be done in Lubbock. Like, that's still the thing that happened. And they don't, like, they don't – you know, lock arms with them and say, okay, let's go. It's still just kind of like, okay, yeah, you guys have your fun over there. You have the best of us, but we still got our guy. Uh, all right. We'll get to Linda and Jake here in one second. First quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by built bar. You guys can go to built.com today. That's built.com. Check out all the flavors that they've got right now. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious. They've got new flavors coming out all the time. You guys can go there today to built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15. You'll get 15% off at built.com today. All right, Linda, who is, who are, who is the Oklahoma State Cowboys' uh, biggest rivals right now? Is it Oklahoma for, you know, all the bedlam stuff leaving the conference? Is it the NCAA for those Dirty tricksters and what they've done to Mike Boynton's group, which is God. made me so impressed this year. I love watching the heart that they play with. Who is number one? Who is public enemy number one right now uh, in, in the streets uh, at Oklahoma State? In the streets, I think it's one hundred percent the NCAA, and in particular, like right now, watching basketball games. Every basketball game, they're like, "Oh, it's too bad they got banned." You know, they're banned from NCAA postseason. You know, they're banned, and you're like, "We got it." Can we please just? not talk about it for like an hour and a half it's like i have to start every time i do a basketball recap i have to start by saying like the fact that they're doing what they're doing right now this season and playing with as much heart and energy and hustle as they have been knowing that there's nothing waiting at the end of this season is i can't even imagine having that kind of like having to fight through that mental state uh, so 100% the NCAA, I, I jotted down some when you brought it up cause I liked your creativity behind, uh, some rivalries. So Oklahoma state NCAA is, is at the top of that list. <laughs> All right. I want to revisit what the rest of your list has, uh, Jake, as a, as somebody who's not yet part of the conference, um, I just like to pick on you, you outside media members, uh, doing the thing. And I've mentioned this before. Well, it looks like a Big 12 football games broke out, 56-51. Like, just every damn time. Well, Chiefs Chiefs and Bills playing a Big 12 football game and didn't watch the fact that the conference this year had, like, no good quarterback play and was completely based on the, the two teams. The two teams that played in the Big 12 championship game were all about 
running the football and playing defense and not having their quarterback F up the game as much as possible, even though both quarterbacks at times did F up the game as much as possible. So I just want to hammer you for that one Uh, right now, Jake, you're a resident outside media member. So you're going to take all of the blame for that. Uh, And also I'll let you say as an outsider's perspective, what you find to be the most appetizing rivalry and uh, also share a thought of, Hey, what rivalry do you want to see BYU create? I know some of these you can't just create and some things happen and spurn them on, but are we going to get a couple holy wars with the TCUs and the Baylors? What else we got? So, okay, the rivalry that I enjoy is just the fact that Texas and the Horns down thing with the entire Big 12 conference. Yes. <laughs> just the yeah. fact that they are about as whiny as they are about all that is just beyond me. Yeah, John's got it going right now with the Horns down. That, that rivalry right there just makes my world go round because – one university thinking they're going to tell the rest of the world how to operate when it comes to their fans and how their players get over yourselves, move on. Um, Now with regards to BYU entering the conference, I want to see them kick back up that rivalry they had with TC when both were in the mountain West conference. That was a really healthy Mm -hmm. rivalry, especially on the football side of things. They, they had a lot of fun going head to head, some really, really good games, big upsets on each other's home field. I want to see that one come back. I think the religious connection with Baylor will automatically lend itself to having something there as well. And the other one that I would like to see, and I know this is really outside the box, but BYU and UCF have played a number of games against each other in the last decade. I believe it's three all told so far. And they've been some decent games. And the fan bases have mixed enough that I think the UCF and BYU, despite being on opposite ends of the conference, that might be a pretty good one. And I know this uh, just because I've talked to enough BYU fans. They want nothing more than regular trips to Orlando for one thing and one thing only. Harry Potter World and Disney World. I think what everybody wants. We, we, we talked about that so much. How it's like, look, which which makes me think, are there going to be rivalries? Everybody's like, oh, we can't wait to play UCF. We I, love know, UCF. I know. We love UCF. We can't wait to see all of our, our friends in Orlando. Our favorite UCF fans, Mickey Mouse. We're so glad to see him. I mean, like, now I, I do think there is something to UCF is going to get the chip on their shoulder. I think it's a great point you bring up where they're like, these people think they're going to come down here and enjoy their time here and kick our ass and take our players. It's not going to happen. And I think, I think there's going to be, some, I, I like that idea because right now with like the American teams, I, I don't think there's as much of that. Like UCF in the AAC is as strong of a brand as there is. Uh, besides Cincinnati. And I think geographically, like they're, they're located in two excellent high school football States, right? That means they can recruit different kinds of players. Cincinnati's getting the guys that fell through the cracks for Ohio state, for Penn state, for Michigan, UCS getting the guys who fell through the cracks for Florida, Miami. And then sometimes they're actually getting the guys that probably didn't, you know, sometimes didn't fall through the cracks or, or whatever, whatever that's happening there. So I'm so fascinated to see what develops there. And um, sometimes rivalries are spurned on by certain events, right? They can happen in kind of unlikely uh, situations and locations and cause things. You know, uh, the Missouri-Arkansas rivalry is is often been called fake, but Mike Anderson did leave Missouri to go coach Arkansas. And so as far as Missouri basketball was concerned, like that was a legitimate rivalry. There was some legitimate distaste between those two programs. And so I think events like that will happen inevitably, right? They will happen in this conference. I'm excited to see what they look like. Um, 
John, I'll let you go any direction. You're up now. Well, first top, of all, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. ahead. Ask the question. You could, you can give me top three rivalries in the Big Twelve right now. You can do like actual team versus team. You can do narrative. You can do whatever you want. Your yeah. top three rivalries, and make your point as well. No, point. I was going to say first. Um, have people told Texas Tech fans that they got to get over it yet? I don't know. Like, cause that is fair. That is fair. Everybody is telling Oklahoma fans to get over it. So if we're going to tell OU fans to get over it, uh, I think the difference here, John, is that we're all enjoying watching Texas Tech shove yes. it to Texas yes. right now true. repeatedly. So we're like, well, yeah. we're going to tell them to shut up. We could tell yeah. them to keep going because it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I that's one part of it. But yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's a fair point. I think it's, yeah. I think it's not an unfair, unfair point. No, I love it. Texas Tech, keep doing what you're doing, man. Also, their environments are so much. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Their fans are like, not, I, Jeff Go made this point, and I swear I'll let you go here. But like, he's like, these people are drunk as hell. Like they're just so drunk at these games, and like just it, you know, making them crazy. And then I mean, you know, the the invasion was awesome. And so yes, it's amazing. All right, go ahead, John. I, I, so this is going to be a little bit of a wrestling example, but I feel like Texas Tech. And their fan base is like WCW was back in the day. Like it was just yes. like throwing crap into the ring and steel you know, chairs. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, right. you know, when, when Hogan turned to the NWO, like hundreds of water bottles and stuff got thrown in, like they might not be as bad as like ECW fan base, but they're like West. They're, yeah. They're like that. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, still OU Texas is a huge rivalry. It's, it's the one that moves the needle on the football field. Um, as far as like, basketball i think the the conference against kansas you know a lot of like mm-hmm. everybody still kind of chases kansas even though you know they're might not be as consistent as they were um year in and year out but they're the team that everybody wants to be similar to texas and football like that's who everybody's chasing um and and i think coming into it i'm really excited to see just West Virginia and Cincinnati renew that big east rivalry i think that's just going to be really good for the conference to have a, a couple teams that have played a ton of football against one another. Um, and I, I think that'd just be really, really good for the conference moving forward. All right, Steven, your top three, ironic or unironic or both, whatever you want to do. All right. So I'm going to go with the new look big 12. I'm going to list what I think of the top three. Once the conference kind of realigns post OU Texas departure. Um, so I'm going to show my regional bias here, but like, I really think, TCU-Baylor is mm-hmm. the best rivalry in the conference moving forward just because it's natural. Like, the two schools don't like each other. It, they're an hour and a half apart. Um, and there's a long, long history here. Like, TCU was actually in Waco originally back in the 1800s, and then a fire burned down campus in 1910. They moved up to Fort Worth. Um, there was bad blood when the Southwest Conference broke up. Thanks to Ann Richards, Baylor grad and politician in Texas, TCU didn't make the Big 12. Was, was sitting in purgatory and conference purgatory for years. Um, and then when they came back and linked up, like it was really sp- spurred on by the fact that Gary Patterson and Art Bryles, no matter what they said, legitimately hated each other and just, you know, wanted to beat each other's brains out every time they played. But that renewed what had been kind of a simmering rivalry for a long time. So I think that's going to be great. Um, and then obviously like Kansas, Kansas State is established as well. It's a regional thing also, and those two schools go out all the time. And then third, I would just say, like, Tech fans and Oklahoma fan, Oklahoma State fans 
and who can get the most hammered and just kind of have the most fun at a you know sporting event. I would throw West Virginia fans in there as well, but last time I mentioned West Virginia fans, I got tweeted at for like two weeks about what I said. You so, didn't mention sorry, them. You guys. called them toothless hillbillies or toothless mountain people. <laughs> Yeah, you but that, oh, last time I mentioned West Virginia, that fans. was the last time you I called mentioned them that. toothless mountain people. And I'm listen. I'm glad that they all huddled around the one computer there and sent me <laughs> bad messages. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. It's another joke. Calm down. I love you guys. Steven's is going to single handedly create. I want to go to Morgantown. I am wearing my West Virginia shirt right now. I know you guys don't live in the middle of nowhere. It was a simple joke. I'm sorry. Didn't realize you were so. The funniest thing about that was people were calling at me like I'm a coastal elite. I'm from a Texas town of 4,000 people. Like, we have a Sefco and a Bush's chicken here, and that's it. You're probably living in a better metropolis than me. I just was simply saying, you know. You're giving Morgantown and Charleston. I was, try, I was trying to credit. say it's a tough place to play, but I'm sorry. I'm going to go back and grab that clip again. It was amazing. I, I love how – I love the fact that somebody went and clipped that and put it on the internet. It was like, this hack. It was like – the comment was, usually I enjoy listening to Lockdown Big 12, but then this happened. It's just – Well, they're not right. wrong. I am a hack. But like I, I didn't think I didn't think that one was would be so aggressive. I'm sorry to the people of West Virginia. Uh Linda, what is your top three? Does Linda hear me? Can you hear me, Linda? I think we lost Linda. Linda's on that Morgantown dial up. I'm so, no, my my headphones got all scratchy and I had to reboot. I'm good. Are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. I'm, all right. I'm uh, what's change. your top three rivalries? Well, you said um, Big 12 doesn't play defense, like that narrative versus what was actually happening on the field and what has been happening the last couple of years. So I'll leave that one off and talk about Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. Ever since the missed field goal in 2011, I still have nightmares about it. Um, I have always had some disdain for Iowa State, at least on the football field, for sure. Uh, so I'll put that one in, in my hat. But also Texas versus being back. And OU fans versus all of their other sports besides football. <laughs> softball, softball, softball. We'll do softball some problems. There softball. are okay, but That's if good. you get online and read the insane things that people say, I'm not saying John shares all the softball gymnastics. He's fantastic about it. I'm not saying there aren't good OU fans. I'm saying that there are some in particular that will explicitly say nothing else matters besides football. Like under a post about the. Uh, OU boys beating uh, Oklahoma State at on the golf course, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, it doesn't fucking matter." Like, where sign like, a head coach already? Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are the same people that will reply to an article I write, uh, you know, that like everybody's talking about, and like, who cares? I'm like, okay. apparently the 10, Josh Lowe people... it's four million home yeah. runs. People yeah. care. Yeah, like <laughs> yes, care. yes. Caleb Williams has been in the transfer portal for a month, but st- people still care about it. They're still clicking on the article. Yes. Sorry. Uh, no, you're no, you're right. I'm, Sorry, Oklahoma fans. Uh, Jake, heel turn for a lot of heel turning uh, happening in this show. Jake, from an outsider's perspective, either you can go back. What are the three rivalries you want to see the most for BYU, uh-huh. or you can pick three that you like the most currently happening in the Big Twelve. 
Okay, Linda actually stole one I was going to use. I was going to use Texas versus being back because everyone loves to talk about Texas being back. So that one was on my list, and it's true. Like, I cannot wait until this summer when the preseason polls come out and Texas somehow, some way, is ranked inside that top 25. And people are talking themselves in circles saying that, well, Stark has figured it out. What has he figured out? Like, I, I digress on that. Um, I actually am a big believer that Baylor and TCU might be the best rivalry that exists in the conference and the newly new look Big 12. Uh, one that I'm looking forward to, though, I am of the opinion that Chris Kleiman and uh, Bull and also um, I'm forgetting Kansas, Lance Leopold, I am actually believe that the Sunflower State, like the Kansas-Kansas State rivalry, those are two pretty good coaches on the football side of things, and the basketball's already been pretty good. I think if Kansas can finally just get some traction in some way, shape, or form, I'm not saying they have to be any good, but they can just be competitive. I actually think the battle for the Sunflower State, the mm-hmm. two Kansas schools, could be one of those rivalries that really emerges as one of the real big ones in the new look Big 12. I just I found the Sam Sam Ellinger we're back video on on Twitter. It's I mean how good is that video every single time we're back? It's just it didn't actually happen yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, Texas my Tech in Houston I think is going to be a lot of fun down the road. That, Sorry. that so that's one that I think New Big Twelve I'm definitely going to because I think Houston thinks themselves as good as Texas Tech. Just like we're not in the conference yet. Um, but they did play in football this year and Houston blew chunks all over the field. Uh, which was a, which was a big one. Jo- also, I, I think um, Joey McGuire's like high school relationships in in Texas are going to be something really to watch to see if they get strained or or, or how strong they will be. So I, I think one narrative here is Tex. Everybody, every other Texas school in the Big Twelve versus Texas Tech in terms of recruiting is interesting. I would say on the on the real on the serious ones, I would go with. Excuse me. I would go with OU Texas, Bedlam, and Sunflower Showdown right now. I think those are my three. The only problem, I, I would I would switch TCU and Baylor for Sunflower right now because Sunflower it sucks in both sports. You know what I mean? Like it's just like the, the basketball one was actually pretty fun. But besides that horrendous chair incident that we had a couple years ago, like <laughs> what was the like this game? <laughs> also, I think we we don't talk about that enough. That was that was hilarious. Uh, and bad, but also hilarious at the same time. Um, you know, like those games haven't been super entertaining. The one earlier this year obviously was. So that one, that one's in there. I think TCU and Baylor flip. The the narrative ones, Texas versus being back, totally correct. Um, the, the Big 12 versus the media is totally correct. And then I think my third one would be Big 12 quarterbacks versus being consistent uh, is definitely one. That I mean, was there a Big Twelve quarterback that played three straight good games this year? Like, was there was there one that actually did it? I don't think I I can't think of it. There was a time where Spencer Sanders like wasn't turned over the football, and we're like, this is good. This this is like he's throwing for 120 yards a game. This is positive. <laughs> um, we're doing it. We're yeah. doing it. Yeah, this is this is the football right here. Like the same thing for Gary Bohannon. Like he's not turning the ball over, and then he had some of the. I mean, he had some backbreaking turnovers later on in the season that were absolutely horrendous. Casey Thompson, we they were back and forth. Um, like what? Like was there a Big Twelve quarterback that we thought was Brock Purdy inconsistent? I mean, I, I don't. I can't think of one. 
that put together a three game stretch where like this is what it's all about. This is this is quarterback. Wasn't Spencer Sanders first team quarterback in the Big Twelve this year? Yep. Yes. Like, I, and you guys but know man, me. I'm like I'm like Spencer Sanders Island, and it's like what in the f is happening? So, Big Twelve quarterbacks be, versus being consistent, another a big time rivalry. All right, it could be uh, that way in 2022 too. By the way, could be. The could quarterbacks be. are messy. Uh, well, you know, you know, Linda, we've added Adrian Martinez, uh, who consistently turns the ball so over consistent. More. Yeah, <laughs> he consistently turns the ball over more than any quarterback in America. All right, one more quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Rock. Uh, no, excuse me, BetOnline.net. We already hit Rock Auto. BetOnline.net. Um, BetOnline guys, they've got football futures. They've got basketball college and pro they've got hockey they've got baseball futures probably like hey when's the lockout if you select never bet on that because it feels like it's never gonna end at this point ufc boxing vegas casino games they've got it all at bet online and betonline.net go check them out today all right one more thing before we get out of here um John, real quickly, what did the NCAA say about NIL? Because I think this is something that I want kind of all of us to go over. After after months of them saying they just had no desire to get involved with name, image, likeness, they said, hey, maybe we should look into it. What did they say? So uh, Jerry Moorhead, the board chair uh, president at Georgia, said we are concerned that some activity in the name image and likeness space may not be vi- or may not only be violating NCAA recruiting rules particularly those prohibiting booster involvement but also may be impacting the student athlete experience negatively in some ways we want to preserve the positive aspects of the new policy while reviewing whether anything can be done to mitigate the negative ones um, yeah so they were they they're finally kind of getting involved. I, I think there's just a lot of the maybe just innuendo kind of that got thrown out, maybe particularly at Texas A&M, you know, you, you see some of these big time deals that, that some of the kids are signing. And I think, I think it's the same argument that happens in like the NFL circles. Like what does the guy making the veteran minimum think about the, the quarterback making $40 million a year? Like <laughs> how does that impact a locker room? I think what that's kind of what they're getting at with how does it impact the student experience? Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's wild to me that all of a sudden that they're, they're interested in getting involved. And I think some of it is maybe it's these presidents that are looking at their rivals saying, Oh, well, look at what they're doing with all their oil money or look at what um, a school out West is doing with all that hip hop money um, and, and being able to recruit players. And it matters. Like definitely the money matters but I think what they're forgetting is like not in, in like baseball, major league baseball. Yes. Teams with big pocketbooks win a lot, but they don't win all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, still got to have really good players with the right mentality to win. And NIL is not going to necessarily change whether or not a kid has the right mentality. Like if you're and and I think this is where I like really, really like what Brent Medibles is about. He's like, yes, NIL is going to be a part of it, but if that's the only reason you're coming to Oklahoma, then you might not be the guy for us. You know, like we want, we want you to come and and try to grow as a whole person, not just coming right. after a payday kind of a thing. Jamie Pollard actually said this outright. He's like, if you are looking for $50,000, we're not the school, we're not the school for you. Yeah. Which like, I thought maybe now, Stephen, do you think comments like that on their surface, are they, 
are they hurtful? Like, I think saying something that like like that outright might be the truth. But like, do you think Jamie Pollard saying like, look, if you want fifty k, because look, there might be a business that says, hey, we're, we're going to pay Brees Hall fifty k. You know, what if a guy like a Brees Hall comes along at Iowa State and says, I'm considering transferring, or I'm considering what if what if what if a Brees Hall reasonably said like, I am the best running back in America. Maybe I don't want to take another year's beating. Make it worth my while to do it. You know, maybe a company steps up and pays him 50K. Um, do you think it might hurt on its surface when athletic directors make comments like that? Yeah, I mean, it just seems unnecessary. I feel like this is going to level itself out in one of two ways. One, either we'll see more of the everybody in the team having some sort of deal. Like maybe it's not some super lucrative um, NIL deal, but maybe it's a big company that just says, okay, yeah, we can – put together some sort of monthly stipend for your guys if they endorse this product or, um, you know, you just see like the, the big names kind of take up a lot of the, the payroll. But, uh, you know, bottom line is like, this is the world. And if you're not the team that can give $50,000 to somebody, well, you're still going to have to have a comprehensive plan. You know, like I, I remember TCU had their junior day um, a couple weeks ago and, Jeremy Clark, who does a good job covering recruiting for 247, he talked with all the guys, that came, or a lot of the guys that came through there, and many of them said the thing they were most impressed with was the NIL presentation. And I don't know the details mm-hmm. of it, but, like, Sonny Dykes and that staff, they know they're not dealing with the big guns here necessarily that some schools are, but you still better be ready and prepared to give something because everybody wants to make money. I don't even think it's, like, guys are here for the wrong reasons. Like, I mean, the bottom line is, you might not go to a school just because of that, but right. if that's if that's mm-hmm. what's happening around the country, like you want to know Great point. that the people that are in charge of your well-being for the next four years at least have an understanding of how it works. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you don't have to necessarily be the school that's like, yeah, we can dish out all this cash. You at least have to have a plan of, hey, if you're like, come here, maybe we can't get you the best deal right away, but if you're good – then we can point you in the right direction to people who are going to want you to, you know, be associated with their business for the next few years. Steven, are we going to see a bunch of Baylor players on HGTV now with Chip and Joe? <laughs> I hope so. Man, that'd, like, that'd be awesome. What's yeah. their show? Is it Love It or what was it? Was Love It or Listed their show? What was their show? No, they did Fixer Upper. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, we've got a uh, Baylor offensive lineman, Connor Galvin, in here today. Do I you need know? Blake Shapin swinging a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Coach does not like it. He's going to hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Um, Jake, do you think we're going to see if the NCAA has teeth here if they as they look into NIL? Like, are we going to see, okay, how much power does the NCAA really have anymore? Because we're teetering on the edge of basically nothing. Well, and that's the interesting about this. BYU has been one of those programs that's been under scrutiny by the NCAA. They've had the NCAA reach out to them about the Bilt Bar deal that their football players have with a company that advertises with us on this mm-hmm. network. We've talked about them. So the interesting part about this is, and I saw somebody tweet about this. I, I wish I could give them credit for it. They said that this is going to be a real litmus test for the NCAA because not only will the NCAA be taking on their member schools, they originally told that we're not we're we're hands off. You guys do as you right. guys are going to do. But they're not only going to take on those schools, they're taking on millionaire and billionaires who are going to retain all kinds of lawyers who are going to be more than happy to say, okay, NCAA, 
gloves are coming off. Let's really have a Donnybrook on our hands. That is going to be the real litmus test to see if the NCAA really wants to battle in the courtroom against some people who have got a whole lot of money. That's the big key, right, Linda, is like the one thing that they fear is litigation. Like they they don't have the resources to take on multiple companies on multiple fronts and also maybe multiple states, right? Because I, I think there are some states that with their laws might challenge the NCAA if they come after a certain school. And also it's good politics to defend states uh, for, for politicians to defend uh, you know, to defend their schools as well. Right. It, it's always good. It's a good look. There's a reason why Mitch McConnell does not pick a side, uh, you know, and he's got a degree from Louisville and he's got a degree from Kentucky. He doesn't pick a side, right. Don't want to piss anybody off. Same thing applies here. So litigation and political pressure, Linda, those two things uh, appear to be things that the NCAA fears getting involved with. Yeah. I think another thing you can put on that list is like effort, just like any kind of extra attention that they have to, you know, they'll put a letter out and say like, this is what we've decided or whatever. I don't think it's going to go very far and they'll still make it, you know, they'll, they'll write some announcement that makes it seem like they've gone in and okayed everything and, and everything looks good on their end. And it, I don't think it'll go anywhere. I just, I can't imagine. I think you've already like taken the lid off and let everything out and putting all of it back in a jar is going to be, rather difficult. And I would say on this too, like there's so many things that just changed. I would in college football, I would say the number one thing to me that needs to get fixed is the schedule. Um, you, you saw Matt. So I'm sure we all saw Matt Luke, right at Georgia national championship winning coach, uh, you know, working in Georgia has decided that he's just going to step away. And from all accounts, it sounds like it's burnout. Right. It sounds like it is burnout. Now, I do believe the one thing that the NCAA still does control is the recruiting calendar. Right. They say when you can sign national letters of intent, just the dates, all that stuff. To me, if you're going to have the NCAA approach NIL or the actual the recruiting schedule and whatnot, I would say the schedule needs to be taken care of first because I think that actually will dictate a little bit of what happens on the NIL end. They can fix that. Not sure how you guys feel. If anybody wants to get a quick get, get a quick thought on this before we round up, but like to me, the schedule and burnout and coaches complaining about what's happening right now is just bad because I think I think I kind of want everybody to be in a positive headspace. I don't want coaches getting burned out. I don't want coaches to feel like they have to recruit every single day. I do think we need to make sure we have time periods uh, of when kids can enter the portal and exceptions to those things. Like, hey, if your coach is canned you may enter the portal at any time, right? If you have a co- position coach who recruited you, who is canned, you may leave, you know, and hit the portal at any time. But just stuff to make sure the sanity of college football goes well first, then we can fix our NIL issues. Anybody want to comment on that, kind of the Matt Luke stuff and uh, maybe the NCAA not having their focus in the right spot? Anybody? I'd agree with that. I think that's why we saw so many, you know, big-name coaches leave power, you know, top of the line power fine programs for others. And some of them try like Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. You know, like I think that's why we saw Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and Mario Cristobal leave so quickly. They wanted to be in kids homes. As soon as home visits opened up, they wanted to be on the recruiting trail before early, the early signing period began because they wanted to be able to get those kids decommitting before they hit the early signing period. You take away the early signing period, you go back to the original national signing day. And I think that mitigates a little bit of that. And it gives everybody just time to breathe with the college football season being over. Like 
nobody had a chance to just like take a breath. I talked with Deller and Turner Yale writing some articles about his draft story uh, heading into the combine into the NFL draft. And that was the one thing that he kind of talked about. I asked him about Lincoln Riley. He's like, it was just crazy that you know we had our bedlam loss. And then less than 24 hours later, the head coach was gone. Didn't even get to finish out the bowl season with them. And, and I think that's, that, that's a detriment, I think, just to mm-hmm. the idea of trying to build up student athletes to do things the right way is when these leaders just like, hey, season's over. Yes, the bowl game we have, but I'm gone. Sorry. Uh, I know you just experienced like the toughest loss of your Sooners career if you're a you know, fourth-year senior, but I'm out. And uh, I think this, I just think it sets a bad example um, for student athletics. And yeah, you take away the early signing period. I think that helps a little bit. And, and, and you allow home visits to open up after the football season's over. And then coaches aren't in such a big rush to, to jump to the next school. Uh, anybody else? All right. Good stuff. All right. Let's all, let's do our plugs. I think, yeah, he nailed it. Just kidding. Um, Mic drop, John. Uh, there you go. Yeah, John, John, you did a very good job. There you go, John. John did the WWF drop the mic. Actually, they saw that now. Uh, I hate that, though. I hate the noise the mic makes when yeah. it hits the ground. So, yeah. Just taking a cue from my old podcast partner, David Walker, when he'd have a real talk with D-Walk. Um, so. Would he drop the mic every time? No, he wouldn't. But he would, <laughs> he would go on these these long like I our second segment would be real talk with D Walk, and he'd go like ten minutes, um, cutting a WWE style promo on whoever got him fired up that week. Because we should start doing that. That should be yeah. that's, that's kind of TCU corner though. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find Locked On Big Twelve on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcast. John. Yeah, hey, Locked On Sooners. Uh, yeah, Jocelyn Allo tied the NCAA all-time home runs record with Lauren Chamberlain in fewer games. Uh, got a five-game weekend set coming up in California in the Mole Nutter Classic. And she's 10 games into the season and already tied the all-time record. How many is she going to have by the end of the season? She's currently on pace for 40 this year, averaging five or a home run every 5.2 of plate appearances. This this girl is the Babe Ruth of softball. I can't wait to see her get the Barry Bonds treatment. It's going to be awesome. Steven. Stop it. No, she is yeah. the Bonds. Nobody's going to pitch to her. They're always uh, gonna, yes. well, that, gonna pitch to her? They have to because they can't they can't pitch around her because they got power behind her too. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Steven. Locked on Horn Frogs is the show wherever you get your podcast. Uh yeah, we're talking a lot of basketball. They're on the bubble right now, keeping up the football offseason, and then I'm a big college baseball nerd, so plenty of that content as well. Also, my apologies to the good people of Morgantown. I promise you live in a bigger town, a more sophisticated town than me, but we got to get these jokes off, friends. Uh, Steven, how much shit did you talk after TCU beat West Virginia the other night? Oh, my gosh. Take that, Taz Sherman. Take that, Huggy Bear. Rocking your gold chain in Fort Worth, getting a technical foul for, you know, going at the refs. See ya. Another loss. Okay. Another L for the good folks in uh, in West Virginia. <laughs> the good folks. Jake. All right. So BYU men's basketball, like TCU, is on the bubble right now. Some mm-hmm. BYU co had decided to cook up some homemade rocket fuel in his dorm room, and it blew up. It's kind of a fitting metaphor, I feel like, for BYU men's basketball right now. They were off to a good start, and then it's kind of blown up in their face. So, don't make homemade rocket fuel in your dorm room. Let's just put it that way. Uh, if you want to follow the show, Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow me, Jacob C. Hatch, on Twitter. And as always, Locked On Cougars, wherever you get your podcasts. Linda. 
Uh, Oklahoma State men's basketball is not on any bubbles, but I'm recapping every game anyway because that's the kind of person I am. But I'm also breaking down all of the uh, offensive and defensive rooms for 2022 Cowboy football team. And uh, just real quick, we John spoke to uh, leaders and the coaches supposed to be leaders. And we had the uh, Wisconsin-Michigan head coach, basketball coaches, getting like a fist fight during uh, high fives at the end of the game, which was – that was special. Oh, sorry, a slap fight, um, which is special. But uh, you can find the show uh, Locked on Pokes on any of your podcast listening apps, and you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians. Yep, open-handed slaps and suspensions. It was really – it was just bizarre. Uh, all right, that will do it for us. We'll see you all next week. Thank you guys for joining. I've, I've always forget to say this, but till next time, my friends, as always – Stay safe.